Yes, now. One of the things I have realized in, in my walk with God, and you have experienced this in your life, I'm sure, is as you take great steps of faith with God, one of the biggest hindrances to our taking that step of faith is what? Fear. We all struggle with fear. Amen? Some of us are more mature in handling fear than others, but it's an element of our life that's on this side that we'll have to battle and that we'll have to overcome, and our, our faith is what helps us to overcome. Today, as we continue our uh, series on taking great steps with God, today's message is about courage to travel the unfamiliar. Courage to travel the unfamiliar. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 3. Amen. Joshua chapter 3, as we look into the Word of God today, we're going to begin at verse 2. He said, at the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. However, there shall be between you and it a distance of about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the people. Now the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. You shall moreover command the priests who who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will assuredly dispossess from before you the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Hivite, the Perizzite, the Gerasite, the Amorite, and the Jebusite, along with the termites, the mosquito bites, and the parasites, and the other ites. Anyway, uh, seven nations here, okay? Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you in the Jordan. Verse 13, it shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priest who carry the ark of the Lord and the Lord of all the earth rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan will be cut off and the waters which are flowing down from above will stand in one heap. Verse 17, and the priest who carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel crossed on dry ground until all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. May God bless the reading of his holy and precious word. Joshua shared this with the people of Israel. For you have not passed this way before. Maybe in your life today, that's what God's speaking to you. I'm having to go through things in my life today that I have never gone through before. And one of the words that God has for us, he wants to give unto us today the courage to travel the unfamiliar paths of life. 
God brings those to us in our life. And you'll see that as we go through this story here today. Now imagine the children of Israel. They were certainly in a place they had never been before. They had never crossed the Jordan River. With the exception of Caleb and Joshua, if you'll remember, the story goes back in, in Moses' day that God wanted to bring them to the promised land, but in him bringing them to the promised land, because of the unbelief, watch this, of the men, <clears throat> the unbelief of the men that would not believe God, and they said, this is how they did it. Oh God, we are afraid for our wives and our children. You ain't being honest, man. Tell the truth. You're scared to death. You won't even admit it. And that's exactly what took place. And God was not happy with the men because of all the great miracles God had already done for them over and over again. They should have believed them and the leaders of their family chose to be unbelieving towards God and they disobeyed the command of God and God says, therefore, since you will not believe me, since you will not obey me, I will make sure this generation of men die out and I will raise up your children and the wives and they will go to the promised land. Boy, I tell you, I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss the best that God has for me. Amen? And we can if we don't believe God. We can when we realize that when God calls us to something, He is there to supply everything that we need. God will provide the power. God will provide the provision. God will provide the protection. We just have to obey what the Lord tells us to do. Amen? God handles the rest in our life. You imagine this. They had never passed this way before. But the beautiful thing is, this generation saw before them a river which was full to overflowing due to all the snow that had melted in Lebanon at this time has coming down and the Jordan River is deep, it's broad, and it is fierce. And they got all these people and, and along with all that they have and God is commanding them to cross the Jordan River. Now the circumstances that they face could have aroused a 10,000 fears in this generation. And this is what gives me hope for our next generation, is that even though the generation that we may be in, we may not be believing, listen, there's still hope for those new generation because the new generation, watch this, instead of having all the fears to control their life, this generation of young people had grown up to be adults and now instead of facing what was before them with fear, they were facing what was before them with eyes of faith and God used them in mighty ways. And so He will with you and I. God sent them His encouraging word at the time when their faith was about to be severely tested. He come to them through Joshua and says, Listen, I'm giving you this land. From Dan to Beersheba, I'm giving this to you. And I want you to listen to me. You be strong and courageous, for I am with you. I will be the one that will dispossess the nations before you, seven nations before them. Yet they got to cross this Jordan before they even get to that next obstacle. And yet God in His provision has already planned it all out, provided for it. He's just waiting for us to receive it, take it, and believe it. Amen? 
And many times in our life, when we're severely tested, what you and I need when we're going through that time in our life is that we need a word from God. And God always gives us His word when He's about to severely test us. You can trust me. I will be faithful. Remember what I've done back here. I will be faithful in your present circumstance. I know you haven't been this way before, but you can trust me. I am a good God. I'm a great God. I'm a gracious God. And I have nothing but the very best for you. But I have a plan, God says, and I want you to be a part of it. But you must believe me, and you must walk with me, and you must obey me. God, I believe with all my heart, is raising up a people that are willing to walk with Him. You see, I find every day as I get up, God, I I don't want my dreams. I want your dreams. I don't want my vision. I want your vision. Because you see, when I'm in with Him, I have everything I need. But when it's mine, i got to provide. i got to protect. i got to produce. But when it's God, it's a different thing. Instead of staying put or turning back, they advanced straight ahead under God's leadership of Joshua and the leadership team there. And the Lord came to their rescue as you read on in the story that He not only parts the Jordan, He he tears down the walls of Jericho and He dispossesses the, 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 the people that are in that land. God did all this. It's an incredible thing as you, you see that he ultimately destroyed all the enemies that before God's people. Now, let me ask you this question today. Do you find yourself as the Israelites in a place you have not yet passed this way before? Life has a tendency of bringing us to those crossroads in life. Amen? I can assure you this past week has been a time of brokenness for your pastor. Again, this is happening not just in a, this is happening all over the world today. That Christians are being targeted and killed right and left. Okay? As I shared with you last week, remember, we're in a spiritual battle. We're in spiritual warfare. And church, if we don't wake up, we're going to be taken up. And see, God is trying to help us to see, as I shared with you last week, uh, the battle that you're facing, you're fighting the wrong enemy. The enemy's not your spouse. Your enemy's not your children. Your enemy's not your circumstances. Your enemy is not your situation. And your enemy is not your in-laws. Or your outlaws, if some of you want to say. Okay? It's not any of the. The enemy is the one who is hidden, who's invisible, who's working behind the scenes to create this environment and to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. And we've got to start fighting the right enemy. And when I look back at Oregon this week, it's just been heart-wrenching. Now, I promise you, these young people and older people that were, their lives were taken, they had no idea That was going to happen today, that day. And watch this. Their families are now having to go and face a time and a place they have not yet been before. But what was so encouraging to me as I listened to so many of them 
is that these young people, he asked them this question. Are you a Christian? Or you belong to another religion? And watch this. They stood up. And he said, in one minute, you'll be before your God. Bam. And it just, it rivets my soul to think, what courage. What courage. And don't we need that and want that and desire that in our lives? If, if somebody come to your place, God forbid, come to your place and said, hey, you believe in Jesus or are you going to renounce Jesus? Are you going to hide in the corner or are you going to stand up and say, Jesus is my Lord? Listen, we saw where ISIS lined up 21 Egyptian Christians, killed them all because they would not renounce Jesus Christ as their Lord. What a crown's waiting for them, amen? And rightly deserved so. But in life, life brings to us those times in our life that we have to go through things in our life we have not yet passed this way before. My family, we've gone through things in our life that we, haven't, we have no clue about that we've never passed this way before. But you know the good news is? God is still in control. God is still over all of life. And he is still with us, and he will never leave us nor forsake us. But I'm telling you, what the enemy is trying to do is to create fear in Christians' lives today where they will not stand up, they will not speak up, they will not step up, and God is calling us to an account. Who are you for? And if you're not for him, my friend, you're going to be left behind with an incredible, horrible time for your life when you can stand up and face the fact that Jesus Christ is with you, he will never leave you nor forsake you, and that you can conquer the fears of your life if you'll face him knowing God's with me. God's with me. You see, I find in life as you face a time in your life the fear of the new is more powerful when God calls us to a new work. It's amazing. God is calling you to step out into a new work. And why? Because we become accustomed to our present labor of service in God's kingdom, which was at first very difficult. But through practice and obedience to God, the service has become easy to do and we are comfortable. Now, can we all admit that we've, we like our comfortabilities? We like our comfortables, right? And God says, I want to push you out and take another step here. Uh, you must be talking about him. You're not talking about me, right? Yeah. You see, then God calls us to a new service. That is beyond, watch this, he always does this. He, he has, it's just amazing how he does. He always does this. He calls us to something that is beyond our natural capabilities, that is new to us, and that makes us feel uncomfortable. And that service will broaden and deepen and grow your faith in God, yet we become afraid of the risk of the possibility of failure. Now, God's wanting to raise up a people of faith. Do you know our prob what our problem is? 
We have become, we have come to believe that we are very adequate in doing the present work we have grown accustomed to doing and have forgotten that our adequacy is from God. We all can get there. We've all been there. We have forgotten how we had to totally rely upon God to help us when we first began the old work we're doing now. I remember the day. And God called me. He said, I want you to preach. And I'm thinking, oh no, I can't do that. I, I kind of like this small group I'm in. I'd rather just stay right here. No, I want you to take a next step. This is where I'm calling you. This is what I'm calling you to do. I, God, there's somebody else that can do this better than me. Yeah, there is, but that, that's not my point. My point is I want to grow you up. And I want to fulfill the calling I have on your life. And I want you to step up and step out. Now this morning, through the study of Israel's new experience, I believe that we can gain some encouraging words to remember when God leads us into the unfamiliar ways of life. There's four principles I want you to grab today. Number one is this. Sorry about the projector on this side. It must have had that spirit of Georgia or something going on. I don't know, but I'll leave that alone. But uh, here's four principles. Number one, God... God's providence has placed you in the place you've never been before. God's providence has placed you in the place you've never been before. In Deuteronomy, you find God has spoken to Moses, and now Moses is sharing with the children of Israel, and he's sharing this to them. In Deuteronomy 31.3, he says this, It is the Lord your God who will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you and you shall dispossess them. Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you, just as the Lord has spoken. Now, God in His providence placed Joshua right there in that situation at that particular time. You know why? Because God had a plan. And God's, listen, the Lord cannot make mistakes. The Lord cannot make mistakes. Eternal wisdom cannot err. It's impossible. God's providence cannot place us in the wrong place. God has his purpose to fulfill in your life, even though it is new to you. Now look at these two verses here. In, in, in Psalms 37, 23, so the steps of a good man are what? Are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Here's another one. My times are in thy hands. Do you believe that? You believe that your times, God has placed you at this place, at this particular time, in His providence. He did that. It blows my mind when I think about how God and His sovereignty, and, and, and you can't fully understand all of His sovereignty and understand His eternal wisdom. It's, it's mind-boggling. But God understands that He places us in the place He's put us, not by mistake. You see, though your new trial may seem hopeless and desperate through the eyes of fear, faith knows that God has put you in the best possible circumstances for you in order to, watch this, to conform you to the image of His Son and to prepare you for greater service down the road. Now remember this, at the very beginning when you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, God laid out for you and I the plan He has for all of us. 
And the plan was that you and I be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. He predestined us for that. You see, that was God's plan. That was God's will, and that's what He's doing. Now watch this. He uses these steps of faith in our life to grow us up to be like Christ. Now let's just all be real honest here today. God says, I want to change something in you. And what's the normal first response in our heart? I don't want to go there. Matter of fact, I just now learned how to handle my trials that I'm in now. And I'm comfortable handling what's before me now. I really don't care about growing anymore. Matter of fact, this whole idea that God wants to build my character, as my wife will tell me, I've got all the character I want. Amen? Amen? We all are there, amen? We all, listen, God's taking us to a trial, and what's our normal response? Fear hits us. And fear hits us, and we begin to say, oh no, I'm not going there. You want me to do what? (laughs) You sure don't want me to do that. You mean you want me to love this unlovable person over here? Yeah, I hadn't been that way before, God. Yeah, I know. But I want you to reach out, and I want you to take the initiative. Well, I'm waiting on them. When they forgive me, then I'm going to forgive them. Well, let me tell you something. God's love, we're called to love as God loves. Let me ask you, did God wait on you to love him? Mm -mm. He loved you first. Now, even as God has loved you, so you go and love one another. Oh, my. That means I've got to be the bigger person. Uh, You know. This is uncomfortable to me. I, I understand. But that's what he's calling you to do. You've got a neighbor that, you know, you spend more time complaining about and criticizing than you do praying for and going and witnessing to. And God says, I want you to speak to them. I want you to go help them. That's the last person I'm going to help. I just assume say I'm right and go to hell. That's how we think. Because why? We are fearful. We are fearful. Or we have this attitude in us that, listen, I have a right to hold on to this anger. I have a right to hold on to this unforgiveness. And I'm telling you, friend, it's killing you. You are drinking the poison and hoping somebody else dies. God's will for us is to step up and step out trusting in our God to, listen, you haven't been this way before, but watch this, He's promised to be with you. And he will enable you to do things that you never thought possible if you will but trust him. Your present pathway may be new to you, but it is not new to God. It's not. New road to you is an old road to God. You see, God is a now God. Listen to me. God is not a past tense God. God is not a future tense God. God is a present tense God. Now remember when Moses... Moses had this question to God. Great question. He said, God, you want me to go to Pharaoh and you want me to tell him that uh, let my people go and and that's great and wonderful, but God, I I got one question. I know what they're going to ask me. Here it is. Whom shall I say that's sending me? And God says, tell them, I am that I am is sending you. I am is present tense. 
And it's amazing to me, this same present tense God in the Old Testament is transferred over into the New Testament. And watch this. He has now become flesh and blood like you and I. And all of a sudden, here comes the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am the living bread. I am the living water. I am the, the bread of life, the living water. I am the light of the world. Watch this. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. Listen, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to me, church. God is the same God. He always is an ever-present God, and He wants you to trust Him. He's right here with us. God's providence has placed you in this place you have never been before, and the I am is with you. I am is with you. Here's the second principle. As you have the courage to, to face the unfamiliar past, remember, the trials which seem new to you are not new to God's people. I used to think when I was going through something, ain't nobody ever else been through this. Ever felt that way before? You know, in our lives, we, we think, I'm the only one. And watch this. The enemy is good at whispering this to you. Yeah, you're the only one. Ain't nobody like you. I mean, have mercy. Yeah, yeah you're, really, you're really bad. But watch this. All of God's people have gone through this. Remember, what you are facing is nothing new. The rest of God's saints have suffered the same. And this is why it's important. Church, I tell you this often. And I'm going to keep telling you this often. The Bible tells us, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is. But all the more, as you see the day of Jesus Christ coming back at any moment in time, be there, be connected so that you can stimulate and love, to cause people to be stimulated and to encourage people to love and good deeds. My friends, listen, the reason why we need to be together is because what you're going through, somebody else has already gone through, and then when you interact with them and you get to know them and connect with them, you realize that we're all in the same situation. I have, listen, that may be something I've already gone through, but listen, you may be just now coming into. And I can tell you, these are some things that I learned. Here are some things that, I, that work for me. And it can help you conquer the fears that you're facing. All of us. How many of you ever faced a financial struggle in your life? Huh? Listen, all of us have. And you, 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 if you're not careful, you'll think, I'm the only one. I mean, if I was a Christian, I'd never have this problem. Amen? That's what we think. Or we think this. Don't raise your hand. How many of you have a lust problem? Now, listen, there's people in here that if I were to let them raise their hand, they would. But that's not the point. The point is that we've all gone through things like this. And we've got to know who was victorious. Who has struggled with that? And who overcome that? And so therefore, when I'm facing that trial in my life, hey, I have somebody, I have something that I can hold on to that can help me through that. How many of you ever struggled with your spouse? Don't raise your hand. Lord, don't raise your hand. Some of you want to put two hands up. I mean, so. We're going to have a prayer service for you afterwards. That's what we're going to do. Listen, younger couples going through, oh, I'm going to kill him. I'm really going to kill him. And he's thinking, no, 
I'm going to do you first. <laughs> and that's how we think. And you think, hey, this is the worst thing in the world. We're the only couple that's ever, ever gone through something like this. Time out. We've got some older, if I had the elders come up here and light up, the, tell them about your past. Tell me how you had it all together and you just, you faced all these trials and you were terrific and you never failed, you never stumbled. No, 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 no. I can tell you, every one of them will tell you a lie if that was the case. Okay? Starting with their pastor. We've all done that. We've all missed the mark. But what I'm saying is that we're in this together. And when you're facing something new, the rest of us have already suffered the same. So don't think it's strange, as Peter says, you go through various trials knowing it's a testing of your faith. Amen? He's purifying your faith. Number three, remember, new trials generally end old ones. Remember, new trials generally end old ones. Now, when the Lord calls us to a change of position or leads us into new territory or brings us to new trials, He removes the older load. I love this because what helps me is that as they're moving forward, there are prospects, watch this, of gains and of losses. Let, let me explain, help you to understand this. Uh, an example. I was a single man for a while. But watch this. I gained a whole different life, mucho better, when I married my wife. But watch this. That come with it. The old struggles of a single life, but now I'm married to somebody else. All I thought about until then was me, myself, and I, and now I got somebody else in my life. Oh my. Now I got a what? I got a new possibility that I get to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And watch this, that means when she married me and I married her, we brought all our junk together. And we both carried baggage. And you know, I thought when I got married and I said I do, man, I thought, man, everything was going to be happily ever after. You know, I read that book. <laughs> Have you? That's how we, we thought, right? And, and then you get married and it's about 18 months, you realize, this man, this honeymoon deal is over. This, she gets to see my warts and all, and I get to see all of her beauty. I'm smart, I'm learning here. <laughs> but you see, there were some losses, but there were some great gains as well that God gives us and gives us new opportunities. You know, before I become, watch this, as an unbeliever, before I ever believed on Jesus Christ, I lived myself, my life one way. But when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I realized, listen, that old life is gone, but now a new life has come. And now I have uh, new opportunities to grow in my faith. And yet I still go through things in my life uh, of the unbelieving life, but I'm putting them away more and more every day as I walk with God. Think about the, the Israelites. They have been living a desert life for 40 years. A lot of sand. A lot of sand. And watch this. They were going to leave that behind. Hallelujah. And now they were going to gain... This whole new life, not a desert life, but a life filled with honey and milk, it's overflowing. 
The, all the inconveniences they had of desert life is now gone. And now they got the conveniences of this new life in Canaan land, their promised land. Now that adds with it opportunities, what's this? That as you go there, there's also, what's this? New battles. You see, when I got married, I realized, you know, I, I thought it was going to be wonderful. I'd never have a battle in my life. Uh, I thought as a born-again believer, once I become a believer, that everything was going to be fine. I'd never struggle again, never have to fight again, never have to, uh, to go through any difficulties in my life. But that's the lie of the enemy. You see, sure, there are battles to be fought in Canaan against a new group of people, but the battles of the desert life are over. That excites me. Because you know what that tells me? That God is going to use all of this to grow me up. A lot of us... We want to stay babes. You know, I, I, it amazes me how uh, you, you see little babies come in. You say, oh, they're so precious. Oh, I just love them. And, and we say things like this. Oh, I wish they could just stay like this all the time. But God ain't interested in us staying as babies. He, he gives us babies so that we can grow them up to be mature adults. You know why? Because babies can only do so much. Right? But mature adults can do a whole lot more. And that's what God's after. To raise up a people who are mature in Him, that trust Him. And here's my last one today. Remember to obey God and leave the outcome to Him. Remember to obey God and leave the outcome to Him. Now listen to me. Joshua told them the commands of the Lord and what God said to do. Now hear me, he did not discuss how to achieve God's word through human flesh. This is interesting. He did not have a committee of the Watergate committee to discuss how they were going to empty the Jordan River. And that's generally what we often do. Let's get a committee together and let's see how we can figure out this thing. How can we make this happen? And God says, I didn't tell you to do that. I've given you my commands. You go and do what I've called you to do. Joshua, watch this, was not concerned about the outcome of, of events because he understood this, that the outcomes of the events belongs to God. It belongs to God. Joshua was only concerned about what God had commanded and that the people obeyed. Joshua knew God would take care of the outcome. You know, this is how we do things. God speaks to us and, and he says, I want you to do this. And then we say, well, God, um, what if they do this? And what if this happens? And what if that happens? And, and what if this happens? Now, what are we doing? We're trying to be God. God says he's given us a command. He says, do it. Trust me as you do it. And whatever you're going to face, whatever obstacle that you may come up in your mind, any imagination that you may have, I've already got the answer. And I'm going to give it to you when you take that step of, of obedience. And when you obey me, then I will show you myself. You know what I find with God? God's waiting to show us magnanimous miracles in our life. But we're back here trying to figure out, now how are you going to do that, God? You're going to provide, oh, I know how you're going to do it. You're going to do this, this, and this. That's how you're going to do it, right, God? God says, no. 
I'm not going to tell you how. The outcome is up to me. It's not up to you and I. And I can tell you, that freeze should free you up. Because God just called us to, to do one thing, to obey Him. Now, if you are in the, at this very moment in the worst trouble that you could ever befall a human being, I do not believe any better advice could be given than Psalms 37, verse 3. Listen to what the Word of God says. It says this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. This is what he's saying. Forget about how you're going to dwell in the land. You focus on trusting in the Lord, meditating on His faithfulness, and be obedient to His commands. God will bring you into the land and leave the outcome to God. Now watch this. He says, trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, and cultivate His faithfulness. What that means is you are to feed on His faithfulness. You are to focus on His faithfulness. You see, when you're facing what you're going through, that you've never been that way before, God's not wanting you to focus on the fear that you have not been that way before. He wants you to focus on trusting in Him and doing what He calls you to do at that moment. And when you obey there, if here's something else for you to obey, God will tell you. You can trust Him. In the meantime, dwell there, abide there, do good there, cultivate my relationship of intimacy with me, and then I will show you myself. Leave the outcome to God. Church, you want to be free today? Start praying more and leaving the outcome to God. You find this early on in Jesus' ministry. The first miracle that happened, Jesus was at a wedding. They were having a joyous time. And his mother come to Jesus. And I'm sure she tried to play the mother card on him and says, son, we don't have any more wine and we're in need. My dear friends that I have here are getting ready to be embarrassed because we don't have any. And Jesus' response is, <clears throat> My time has not yet come. But then she turned and looked at, his, his, at the servants, her servants, and says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Now watch this. She leaves, and they fill the water pots, and watch this. The water is turned into wine, the greatest wine they've ever tasted before. Of course, it's God created. It's got to be the best, right? But what's interesting is this. All she did was go to him and tell him her need and she left it with him. The outcome was up to him. You see, many of us are trying to carry the burdens of life and God's asking you, come to the throne of grace. Open your hands, open your heart and give me what is carrying you, what is burdening you, what is wearing you out, what is fearful in your life. Give it to me and then once you give it to me by faith, stand up and start walking and trusting me. Focus on your relationship with me and leave the outcome of your request to me because I can handle it. What happens to so many of God's people, I have been so guilty of this and I want you to be free from this is that I thought it was my responsibility to carry the burdens of people. As a pastor, I got a lot of burdens. And I realized it was wearing me out. 
I thought I was going to have a, I was going to have a nervous breakdown. But God had to bring me to the end of myself and say, Son, what are you doing? You are not the burden bearer. You're not qualified. You don't have the ability. I am. Would you give them to me and leave them to me? I will take care of them. Church, I don't know about you, but God wants you to be free. And I hope that you want to be free. Some of us think the 11th commandment is thou shalt worry. It's not. He says be anxious for nothing. But in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? Are you ready to obey the Lord Jesus? Are you ready to follow the Lord Jesus even though you have not passed this way before? Unbeliever, are you ready to follow the Lord? He's calling you and He's drawing you and He desires more than anything for you to be free from your old nature, to be free from those old habits and hurts and hang-ups in your life, those addictions that are keeping you in bondage that you think that are, that are giving you comfort, they're only destroying you from the inside out. He's saying, come. Jesus is saying, hey, I come to be the Savior. I come to save you and deliver you from those things. If you'll come to me, I will accept you. I will never reject you. All I'm asking you to do is to follow me by saying, yes, I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to heaven but through Jesus. And then by simply bowing down and asking Him, Lord Jesus, come into my life, He will make you a brand new person and change your life and put you on that path of an unfamiliar path that he's already been down and that he will guide you in. Are you ready to join this church? Because the Lord is asking you to, even though you haven't passed this way before? Are you ready to serve in a new capacity this church, even though you've never done the work of God like that before? Are you ready to witness to your neighbor, even though you've not passed that way before? God's calling us to the unfamiliar. But remember, He promises His presence. His presence. There's nothing like. And that's all we need. You know, I was meditating early this morning in here about His presence. And I realized in His presence, I have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. What else do I need? Amen? You have everything you need, church. You have every, everything you need to face the unfamiliar path you're going down right now. And he's helping you to see that you can have the courage because he will be your courage. Amen? Father, give us the courage, oh God, to travel the unfamiliar path you're calling us to. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I invite you to ask him to come into your life. And as a simple act of faith, I'm going to ask you to come and let me know that that's what you've done. Yet many of us in this place are born again.